Welcome to the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast, Episode 10. The guest today is a fun one, Stephanie Stuckey, CEO of Stuckey's Corporation. Just want to thank you all for listening. If you haven't done so already, please go and rate the show five stars for me at Apple Podcast. I appreciate all of you, and if you love the show, tell your friends about it. And uh, the show is growing every week, so uh, enjoy this one. Uh, It's a great listen, and you're going to have a lot of fun. We did. Your family legacy is determined by the actions you take today, and the greatest legacy we can leave our children is happy memories. Welcome to the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Tony Davis, coming to you from the beautiful beaches in Jacksonville, Florida. In this episode, I have the pleasure to talk with Stephanie Stuckey, CEO of Stuckey's Corporation. Stephanie is the granddaughter of Stuckey's founders who founded the iconic brand back in 1937. For many years, Stuckey's was a roadside oasis offering motorists a friendly stop where they could refuel, relax, and refresh. Stuckey's is also known for their southern hospitality and their world-famous pecan log roll. Stuckey's fell out of family hands for decades. In 2019, Stephanie bought the company back and is leading its resurgence and rebuilding this classic brand. Prior to taking over the family brand, Stephanie was an attorney and served as a Georgia State representative for 14 years. In this episode, Stephanie shares about her grandfather's legacy, the nostalgia of Stuckey's, her motivation to buy the company back, stepping out of her comfort zone, and her desire to revive the American road trip. Stephanie tells her story with tons of energy and passion. This episode is an enjoyable listen, and I promise you, you're going to have fun. Enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast. I have a special guest. I feel like I, I'm, I'm with a celebrity here, uh, an internet LinkedIn celebrity, Stephanie Stuckey, CEO of Stuckey's. Welcome to the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast. It is an absolute pleasure and a treat to have you on. Thank you, Tony. Pleasure and treat is all mine, and I am doing my absolute best to live up to the title of your podcast. I am trying to be well-rounded. <laughs> <laughs> well, with as many directions as I can imagine that you're being pulled, um, yes. being a, a well-rounded leader is, well, it's always a challenge for anybody for that matter, but when you have as much going on uh, or any leader has as much going on as you have, I can imagine that um, sometimes you just feel like you don't even know what city you're waking up in. A hundred percent. It's like that joke of rock bands when they're on <laughs> tour and they say, Welcome Detroit. They're in Minneapolis, right? I'm I'm remembering that scene from Spinal Tap. Yeah. <laughs> I had no clue what city they're in. My schedule has been akin to that lately where I literally just have to check my calendar every day to figure out where the heck I'm supposed to be this week. Yeah. But it's good, right? They're good problems. It is a good problem to have. And yes. uh, and the more that you're out there promoting your brand, the more like wildfire people are just going to, I mean, for me, now I am a Gen X and Yay! I, Gen yes, X in the house. Me that's too. Right. The sandwich generation. That's right. Exactly. We're the neglected, misunderstood generation. So hopefully we can right some wrongs and correct some misperceptions because we are the best generation of all. We are, but doesn't, <laughs> I think every, I think every generation has misperceptions of the one above them and beneath them. And then look at how exactly. we look at how you and I view disease right now or how anybody for that matter views disease. 
and we could go on forever. We could have yeah, a whole- but you know what? I love them all because potential customers. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know yeah. what? Here's I just a- think that Gen Xers often get ignored. That's my big issue. And so, as much as possible, I want to be a voice for Stuckies and my generation. Exactly. And speaking of we our, both rock. so our generation. So I grew up um, in Texas. My dad was in the Air Force, so before there was um, an international airport called Bergstrom in Austin, there was an Air Force base there, and we had family up in Kansas City, and we would drive back and forth, and then we moved out here to Jacksonville, so we were driving all over the southeast, and I always remembered, as a child, those blue roofs and Stuckies, and it was like an event to stop and and go into one of those stores for me. And so when I would see, and I often kind of remembered the brand, but then as I was growing up, kind of going, where, where'd it go? You don't, you don't see them as much anymore. And then I stumbled across, you know, your resurgence and, and, and following the, the comeback story on LinkedIn. And I'm like, this is amazing. Um, and, and so it's kind of got a little special, special place in my heart to watch what you do because that was such a recognizable, a little uh, iconic brand, a little slice of Americana. Thank you. What you just described is why I'm doing what I'm doing. People ask me all the time, why did you sink your life savings at age 53 into reviving a brand that was really on life support. And that's being generous. We were six figures in debt when I bought the company. We had gone from 368 stores to only 13 original blue roofs still standing and in operation. At our peak, we owned a candy plant. We owned a trucking company. We owned a billboard company. All of that was gone. And I made this crazy, according to some people's standards, decision to buy the brand back. And it's those memories. It's people like you who went on road trips with their families, with people that they loved, and they pulled over at Stuckey's. And we weren't just a place where you got gas and had a clean restroom. We were a place where you have these positive, warm memories of being welcomed, Mm -hmm. of having this oasis on the side of the road where everyone was welcome. And that's part of our brand. We are, or at least at our peak, we were synonymous with with the road trip. And I road trip just like you did. We sold the company. My grandfather, I say we, my grandfather sold the company a year before I was born. So it was out of our family hands for decades by outside corporate owners who trashed our brand. And I'm not anti-corporate America. By gosh, I hope they all buy our pecans as either corporate gifts or for their stores, depending on their business. So I'm not anti-corporate America, but in our case, Corporate America was not kind to the Stucky brand and we lost our mojo and we're getting it back. So when you talk about that insane schedule I've got, it's yeah. because we've got the mojo. Well, you're it's, out. You're it's out. happening. And so you got to, you got to go with it. You got to roll with it while it's happening, because if you don't, you might lose it. You might lose that momentum. So I am hundred percent rolling with it. Well, yeah. And once you get that big boulder moving, it takes a lot of effort, a lot yeah. of energy to get the boulder moving. But then once yes. it's moving, then it, then it just goes and it goes. And I see on LinkedIn, you're doing that. You're doing a video singing ABBA with your sister there in the trade show booth. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. That was my daughter. Oh, come on. Awesome. Right. That's the fourth generation. And 
I have convinced her to do a TikTok dance video with me. So we're going to be working on that. We're working on the moves right now. You're doing a TikTok? I, mean, I don't even know. I, I know TikTok is a thing, but I am not. I'm going to have to get on. I'm going to have to get on TikTok if you're going to put a, a video out there dancing with your, you. You have to get on TikTok. All right. If Seriously. Only like, well, I mean, look, I'm not one to tell people what to do. Like you do whatever works for you. I am just saying I was one of those people who was totally reluctant about putting myself out there in mm -hmm. video format, because let's be real. I am 50 ish and I don't look as good as I did when I was in my thirties. And there's a certain level of insecurity, but also just discomfort being on camera. It's a whole different medium. And those initial TikTok videos were not that great, but I am not taking them down. I am leaving them up because I think it's important for people to see that there's a journey and we don't all start. In fact, no one starts off being good at something. Everyone starts off sucking at things. Yep. And you get better only by putting yourself out there and doing it. So Gary Vee, who I really admire, the marketing guru, mm -hmm. says, get on TikTok. Mm. And he not only does he say get on TikTok, you should be on there like several times a day, which I am doing my best just to post once a day, given my cr crazy schedule. But I finally forced myself to get on TikTok. And I initially was like, five likes and it's all my family members, but then slowly it started to pick up steam. And I did one video where it was just me talking about something that happened to me that day, just sharing an experience. And that video got some insane, like 200,000 views on TikTok. That's, that's the world yeah. on TikTok, right? Like it's not uncommon if you're really big to get a million views. It's, it's different algorithm than some of the other social media platforms where there's just an incredible amount of people scrolling through and seeing video content. And once you start posting every day, the algorithm feeds that. So you are hmm. showing up more. And I didn't think it would actually lead to sales, but we did a trade show two weeks ago. I have five accounts that I know for sure because they came up to our booth and they said, I love your TikTok feed. We want to place an order. Five orders. Oh, wow. And they were all good size orders. And hopefully that first order is just the one of many of them being a recurring customer. That's from doing TikTok videos. And the people who came up to my booth saying they watch me on TikTok or watch our feed on TikTok, it's not just me. They were all in their 40s and 50s. It's not just 20 year olds. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I blew my mind. I was like, really? You saw me on TikTok? And they said, yeah, we like your TikTok feed. So there you go. Um Yep. And I was not selling. I was not saying buy stuckies, pecans. I was just telling my story and people relate to the story. And that makes them want to buy the product. How did the karaoke ABBA video do on TikTok? Really well. That's why people like the, the dance and the yeah. singing. That's part of the platform and you don't have to do that. And I am still getting out of my comfort zone with that, even though it's crazy. I take dance class like three times a week. And I have done for years. I love to dance. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I'm certainly not as good as a lot of the people on TikTok, but that's to say like I'm comfortable dancing and I enjoy dancing, but putting myself out there on that platform, dancing and lip syncing mm -hmm. is still a bit of a push for me, but I'm, I'm slowly doing it. And the videos where I do that get really good engagement. So and it I gets, gotta, And every time gotta, you do it, it gets easier and easier. Your comfort zone expands. Your comfort zone expands. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you look back and you go a year ago, you're thinking a year ago, I never would have done this. Right. And then two years from now, you'll look back and go two years ago, I never would have done this. Change, yes. change is uncomfortable, but life begins where your comfort zone ends. That's right. That's right. Cause if you're not, if you're not changing, if you're not evolving, you, if you're staying comfortable, then what are you doing? You know, you're not getting better. It's all about the challenges. That's where you grow. Exactly. It's, it's hard. I, like I said earlier, good problems. We are experiencing a lot of good problems at Stuckey's and we could avoid all those problems by just servicing the accounts that we have right now mm-hmm. and not expanding, but we won't be growing the brand No, and I'll grow the brand. I don't want to just be this business that's maintaining the status quo. I want Stuckey's to be the brand that when people talk about comebacks in business school and they want to study that they yep. want to have the case study. I want Stuckey's to be one of the case studies. Look at how they got this heaping pile of caca yep. and turned it around. So Wait. you don't do that by sitting on your hands and just going on autopilot. No, no, you don't. You, you, you change, you, you think outside the norm. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of kind of, you know, I'm reading that book um, by the guy uh, up there, actually in Savannah, the Savannah Bananas. Oh, that guy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesse Cole. Cole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's. I, can't I actually knew what you were talking about, the book by that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, yeah, no, no. The guy with the yellow tuxedo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jesse Cole. I'm reading Find his... your yellow tux. Exactly. Find your yellow yeah, tux. He's got a second book, too. It's like uh, the customer always is right or customer centric. But the second book is about yeah. how you cater to your customer. Yeah. And that's the one I'm reading. I didn't read the the tuxedo one, but the uh, yeah, the second one, um, something fans. Um, anyways, fan first. Yeah, I think that's it. Fans yeah, first. always be fan. First. So we should swap books because I have find your yellow tux, which I just finished okay. reading. And okay. so let's swap books. But he's amazing. I'm a Jesse Cole fan. Yeah. And, and a lot of what you're saying is kind of, kind of what he's, he, they had to do, you know, they had to pretty much much reinvent minor league baseball if they were going to succeed, if they were going to be not just another brand, of course they could have just me, you know, meandered along, but you don't want to meander along either. So you're, you're doing things outside, you're breaking out of your comfort zones. You're doing all kinds of phenomenal marketing aspects that, that are only going to keep, again, that boulder moving. And once that boulder gets moving, it's so much easier to push. Think big, think bold. That is exactly what the Savannah Bananas are doing. They aren't just saying, we want to be this great minor league team. They are saying, we want to redefine minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. We want to completely flip it around and make something different and new. That's exciting that gets people reinvigorated about baseball in general, not just the Savannah Bananas. And that's what I want to do with Stuckey's. I'm not just about selling our pecan snacks. I want to revive the road trip. I want to make road trips fun. I want people when they buy our snacks to think, oh my gosh, this reminds me of that amazing trip I took with my grandmother and we went to the world's largest ball of twine and stopped at the Lunchbox Museum and we had so much fun. That's what I'm after that feeling, that experience, that connection with a brand mm-hmm. that has sticking power for generations. It does. And that's such a good point to, to envelop memories of Stuckey's into these new uh, family trips, you know, so that when they, yes. when they, they tell about that story, Oh, remember that time we went to, you know, Huntsville, yeah. Alabama. Oh, and then we, you know, and, and Stuckey's was it yeah. on the way. Yeah. And it's just a part of that uh, recollection of, of great memories that people are, are having. Yeah. 
and we can create more. And maybe we don't have 368 stores anymore. We don't. Those times are gone. I had to deal with the reality of where Stuckey's was when I bought it in November of 2019. I had to take a dive into the ice cold bath of reality and look at where we were. And we don't own or operate any of the stores and we don't have the capacity to do that. But we were able to get financing to buy a manufacturing facility. And we now make our delicious pecan snacks ourselves. We shell on site. We source 100% from local Georgia farmers. So we're all about sourcing local and celebrating American made and all of our packaging, all of our ingredients, all either from Georgia or from the region, but definitely American. Mm -hmm. And then we make the candy snacks ourselves and then we ship them from our distribution center. And they're in small towns in Georgia and we're part of the community and we're part of the economic development of the towns where we're located. So it's, it's so much bigger than just trying to sell our product. It's creating that experience. And so you can buy our Stuckey's pecans at Food Lion now and Ingalls and we're getting into some Piggly Wigglies, which I love because that's a really fun brand. And so when you buy those, I hope you'll think about taking a road trip. Oh, absolutely. I hope you'll think about exploring back roads and having some fun. So I want our brand to be associated with that. And let me ask you this. So you referenced buying uh, Stuckey's back in November of 2019. Yeah. Um, what Take me through the emotions that you were going through over that next... Um, Oh, first of all, you were probably pretty elated when you closed and you signed the papers and, and, you, and you bought I was it. terrified. You were terrified. <laughs> and then, well, I read, I read one of your, tweet, uh, your tweets, not one of your tweets. It was one of your LinkedIn posts when people would ask you, why did you do it? Well, the, the reason why I did it was because you were so naive. Yes. Naivete, naivete yeah. was my superpower, right? You take your vulnerabilities and you turn them into your strengths because the vulnerabilities, getting back to life's challenges or where we grow vulnerabilities are what makes you stronger. Dealing with them is what's going to make you emerge from the whole situation, being a lot more resilient and ability to withstand even tougher challenges. Had I known all that I was getting into, Mm. the cautious side of me might not have done it. But the other reason I did it was very emotional. And it's quite simply that I loved my grandfather. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit. This was his company. He built it from nothing during the Great Depression starting as a roadside pecan stand in 1937 as a college dropout. It's amazing what he did. And a part of me is just so attached to his story and what he was able to do. And this is the thing about being an entrepreneur, and it's not for everyone because there's a lot of challenges and risks. But the best thing about being an entrepreneur is that you are writing your own story. And so I wanted to take our story back. Mm from these corporations like a Chicago railroad conglomerate that at one point owned us. And I wanted to write our story again. I I just thought our story does not end this way. Our story does not end as the top Google search being whatever happened to Stuckey's or I miss Stuckey's or have you seen how terrible these stores look now? Mm-hmm. Or worse yet, they were shuttered or it turned into porn shops and trucker bars. That's not my grandfather's legacy. That's not what he worked his whole life for. I don't know any other brand that was founded by a visionary founder. They sold to corporate America and the family got it back. It doesn't happen. And we got ours back. We are rewriting our story. And hopefully it will inspire others who've had similar experiences to say, 
I'm going to rewrite our story. I'm going to rewrite how my family's company is going to end. It's going to end. It's it's going to have a happily ever after ending. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm rooting for. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's definitely on its way, and that that is so cool because what you just described right there, and and listening to you talk about that is just you know. It, you're the one word that my, what that I think personifies your executive presence, your leadership presence is passion. Yeah. To, to me, that's that's how I see yeah. it. You know, everything, all your posts and everything I see on social media, it just and and now talking to you, you are the embodiment of somebody who is completely and totally passionate about your purpose. And your purpose is to continue on the story or the legacy of your grandfather and the Stuckey's name. And, and that's just, that's a powerful emotion um, when it comes to drive and internal motivation and, and just the persistence to do what it takes to succeed. Thank you. And I will say it's, it, it's not passion alone, right? You've got to have the business savvy, the financial acumen, the ops mm-hmm. capacity, the ops chops. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very blessed that I have that. It's about creating a team that complements your skill set. And I have a business partner. He's an equal owner of Stuckey's, mm-hmm. RG Lamar, and he is really good at logistics and financing. And that doesn't mean he's not also good at marketing and presentation. I've seen him pitch Stuckey's to major national retailers, which is what he's very, very good at. And he's good at that too. But you need someone who can balance out some of your weaknesses and gaps because you can't do it all. No, it sounds like you have a perfect compliment. You know, you, you are, yeah. are out on the front, you know, the front end. He's kind of behind the scenes, but that's where he wants to be. I'm, I'm sure that's where he thrives. That's where his strengths and weak, yeah. you know, strengths are and your strengths are being the face. You know, you have the name, you have, you have everything about you, the passion, the charisma. Um, and it's a, you're right. It's a perfect uh, compliment for success. Yeah, he is actually very good at being public facing as well. It reminds me a bit of a conversation I had with my mom once. My dad is this larger than life personality and he's always big picture visionary type. And my mom is the detail oriented, get things done type. And I commented to mom about that. And she said, well, honey, you know, I'm actually pretty good at that big picture stuff, but your dad needed someone to compliment <laughs> So sometimes it's just about figuring out how to make that partnership work, mm-hmm. even though both parties may have different aspects of their skill sets that that the other has, but just figuring out how you make that partnership work. And then how do you add to it? So we actually just added a third uh, investor in the company. He owns a smaller amount, but it's been a good fit. He's mm-hmm. very, very good at marketing. And I think I'm good at it too, but there is so much more depth and complexity to marketing and sales. And yes. he's got the background with that. His name's Ted Wright. He owns Biz Marketing and he's an expert. And so having that third perspective has been an amazing evolution for how we're structuring our business. Wow. That's great. When did he come on? Just recently. Like, oh, okay. So I, not even a month. Oh, wow. So big, things, yeah. big things coming. Yeah, you know, we actually haven't formally announced it. So here's the big announcement. It's been breaking news right here, right here on the Well-Rounded Leaders podcast. We are breaking some news here. We're certainly not hiding the fact Ted goes to some business pitches with me and I fully inform people that he is an investment partner in our business. And actually, we just did 
a taping. All right, when is this airing? Because I don't want to, I don't want to leak a taping. But we're going to be doing a taping on a major national TV show. This it airs August fourteenth. Is when our taping airs. This will air. Hold on. Wait. Wait for it. No, I If you need to take a bathroom break during the podcast, go ahead. No, just kidding. Yes, we're checking the date. I can. I can do the big. Sixteenth. Okay, so by the time yes. this airs, we will have been on the Today Show with Harry Smith. Very cool. Whoa. That is awesome. Awesome. And so Ted came with me for the taping and is actually, hopefully he'll make the cut because they interviewed him and he just nailed it. Like, he knows the talking points. He knows how to best present the brand. And he briefed me beforehand and we did some scenarios where I practiced and really helps to have somebody like that on the team. Well, it sounds like Ted coming on board is kind of like it's, it's added a new level of fun to it for you. Yes. Yeah. He's fun. So I would, I would say too often in business, we do not think about when we bring on partners or people who are part of our team about the fun, Mm -hmm. but that is so important. You have to genuinely like the people you work with every day to be happy. And that happiness factor is really important. I mean, it may be okay for a year or two, but long-term, are you ready to get in the foxhole and the business trenches with people you don't genuinely like who you can't trust to have your back? Well, and not only that, Stephanie, it speaks to your, your emotional wellness and your mental health and your, and your physical, I mean, all of those things, if you are dealing and you have to go to work every single day with somebody that you can't really stand or that you, you you really hate seeing their face, it's immediate tension when you walk in and what does that do to your stress level? What does it do to your shoulders? What does it do to your, your emotions? You know, again, we, we kind of, this could be a whole other topic, but you're, you're exactly right. It's toxic. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I am able to be optimistic and in a good mood is because I have the good fortune, but it's not just fortune. No. Fortune is opportunity meeting hard work and preparation, right? It's a exactly. combination. And I was careful about who I partnered with. And now that I have RG as the main partner, we're careful about who we bring on the team. That doesn't mean we're always perfect. We made a few bad hires, but they're low level enough that it's not the exec team. Our exec team is solid. So proud of them. That's great. When you're a small team, those hires are really, really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Chemistry is huge. And and especially at that, at that level, at that investor level, because uh, everybody's, everybody's got stake in the game. And, and again, it's, it's, um, it, it, it could make or break the whole organization. 100%. It's emotional connection. And I would add emotional maturity. That Mm -hmm. is so important. I heard an interview with Warren Buffett when they were asking him what he takes into account when he invests in a company. And he said the usual stuff that we would know relating to the balance sheet, certain line items that he really pays attention to. But then he added, emotional maturity of the leadership. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And I was like, of course, emotional maturity of the leadership, because when times are tough and they will be tough, if you are a company that's going to have any sort of sticking power, mm-hmm. when times are tough, the leadership has to have emotional maturity. And that is 
as important, if not more important than whether or not they got an MBA at Harvard. Oh, definitely. You could have all the skills, you yes. could have all the intellect in the world, but if you cannot keep your emotions in check and you can, and you let your emotions get the best of you, what good of a leader are you then? You know, yeah. I, and I've said this, in fact, this month or last month, July, uh, our train, my, my training for my clients for leadership development was on emotional intelligence and how I describe emotional intelligence. It's the cornerstone of an individual's leadership. Yes. Because if that cornerstone's not built on, it's not a part of a, a foundation, a strong foundation, it, it doesn't really matter what else you have. Um, yeah. And so what, when you teach it, I'm fascinated with this. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to interview you, but I do. I am very interested in this. What are the key characteristics that define emotional intelligence, in your opinion, for a leader? Well, um, you know, now you're putting me on the spot here. I'm trying to remember what. We, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, a lot of it comes it comes into you know being able to control yourself and how do you control? You know, know, you know, yeah. your, know your values. That helps if you know your values. Yes. That grounded in values. Mm-hmm. That way, if you're if you're faced with a a decision. That, that could be a moral or an ethical decision. You, you know you're grounded and it's not going to get the best of you. Uh, I think accountability helps create that control. You know, if you're one of those leaders that likes to pass the buck, uh, if, if, you, if you always shift blame, you know, yeah. you're going to not only not sleep well at night, <laughs> uh, but you're not going to have trust. And if you don't have trust within your organization, then what do you have? You know, your people have to trust you. And there's leaders that are out there that, 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 lead by commanding and controlling, but they don't really care about their individual, their employees, or they don't look at them as, as Mm -hmm. assets as much as they do maybe commodities. So again, you know, I think if we look at, you know, control, we look at, uh, you know, just being able to, to, to develop that trust within the workplace. I mean, a lot of that helps with, uh, you know, the emotional intelligence of a leader. Um, I agree. I would add, this is along the same lines. It deals with control, but Willingness to share power, willingness mm-hmm. to lift up the team, and as they grow and develop, hand off more responsibility. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the buck stops here with the top. So I really look for in my team, if something goes wrong, if they're willing to say, I messed up here, here's what I did that didn't work, that made this outcome, that didn't work out so great for us. And then our ability to discuss it in a way that we're learning from it mm-hmm. because crap's going to happen. Yeah. And that's okay. You want to foster an environment and I sure hope I'm doing this where if something goes wrong, your team is okay coming to you and telling you something went wrong. Even if it's, Oh my gosh, this is a screw up, right? Mm-hmm. That you're willing to accept it embrace it, learn from it and pivot quickly. I can actually give you a very concrete example of a royal screw up that cost us tens of thousands of dollars at a time when we could least afford to lose money. I would love and to that hear was it. going into Q4 of last year. Okay. We had just purchased the manufacturing facility. We were so anxious to get our orders fill because we had all this backlog with orders as we were transitioning from outsourcing our product that had been made by third-party manufacturers to bring it in-house to this facility that we purchased, getting them used to our product line, getting the new packaging that had the stuckies 
logo and ingredients, getting all of that done had been this huge push. It took a lot more time than we thought. Change always takes more. Like that was a huge lesson learned. If you think something is going to take three months, we should have allocated four, five, six months for some of the changes that involve internal processes that you're Mm-hmm. institutionalizing, right? Not just a quick change, but something that you're really going to change long-term. It's going to take longer than you ever anticipate. So we were coming in with all these new packaging requirements and we were rushed to fill the orders and we didn't do something really important. And that is we tested and sampled all of the product as it rolled off the line. Mm-hmm. And then we shipped it immediately to the stores. We did not realize that the new packaging, we'd requested thicker seller wrap. So like that clear wrap that you see sometimes in candy, not the thick wrap, but when you have the see-through wrap, Mm -hmm. the cellophane wrap Mm -hmm. on candy, we wanted ours to be thicker. It'd been thin for many years and we wanted to increase the shelf life. So we wanted thicker packaging. Well, the way this company made the thicker packaging was they glued layers together. All of this was FDA approved and perfectly safe and no issues with what they were using, Mm -hmm. but it off gases when you first make it. And so we were just rushing the production. And so our product was smelling and tasting like glue. It didn't come up for a couple of weeks because the product's got to sit in the packaging for that to start happening. And a little known fact about pecans is that they are very absorbent. So if you put a pecan in your refrigerator next to a fish, for example, your pecans might start taking, tasting like fish if they're, if they're shelled nuts, right? So our products started tasting like glue. Not every product, some product was more effective than others. And we only got like six complaints, but we had to make a decision whether we were going to do what's known as a voluntary withdrawal. Mm -hmm. So I've learned more than I ever wanted to know about recall issues. A recall is when there's a health health or human safety risk. Mm -hmm. And the FDA is coming in and saying, you have to recall this because people got sick or God forbid people die. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that. It was more of a quality and a reputation issue, but it was our rollout of our new line with the new factory that the first time since 1964, we are making our product ourselves. And oh, by the way, you might get a batch that tastes a little like glue. It cost us our rep- some reputation issues. It cost us money. We had, to, we had to take all of that product back out of the stores. We had to issue credits. We had to destroy product. It broke my heart. Mm. We got even further behind in sales going into Q4 but we did the right thing. Mm -hmm. We could have just kept the product out there as is and just dealt with it, but we did the right thing. We took a financial hit and we, we reached out to every single store. Personally, we divvied up everyone from the CEO down to frontline workers. We were making phone calls to each individual store saying, we're sorry this happened. And you know what? As a result, people trust us. Mm -hmm. We built relationships People know that we're going to do the right thing, even if times are tough. And long-term, that's the better move. But short-term, I ate a lot of ramen noodles Q4 of last year. My finances have never been lower in my whole life. So there's some short-term serious pain going on there. But we've weathered it. And we actually closed out end of last year 
5 million net profit. Wow. Congrats. And when I bought the company two years prior, we were 166,000 in debt our first year with me owning it. So we still managed to close out the year on a positive note on the balance sheet, mm. but it could have been even better. Right. So, so what, uh, what lessons did you learn out of that experience? Be honest. Yep. Do the right thing. Take the hit in the short term. Mm -hmm. Don't ever let short term comfort displace the long term gain of doing the right thing. And how many of those? And communicate, communicate, communicate. Right. Mm -hmm. Times of crisis, you over communicate. Yeah. So we we 100% let the stores know this is what happened. And I posted it on social media. I did a post on LinkedIn and said, this is what happened to us. And, as, and now know when we roll out new packaging, we're going to test it. Yeah. And how many of those business relationships? Packaging company, you know, like they were in part, uh, partially, you know, had some issues with the packaging and they were very fair with us and we worked through those issues and we still use them. I think it's acknowledging that people and companies make mistakes. So we didn't totally sever a longstanding relationship with the packaging company over this one incident because they did the right thing by us. And I won't go into all that, but we, we worked it out, right? Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. figured out what they did wrong, what we did wrong, how we could move together and continue to work together. Well, it sounds like everybody exercised emotional maturity as you were talking yeah. about. People accepted, yeah. people accepted responsibility. You did the right thing. You knew what was right and wrong. You stood on your values and you made those right decisions. As a result, how many of those business relationships that you had when they saw how you reacted and they knew that you, they could trust you, how much, how many of those relationships are much stronger for that? Yeah. And we didn't lose a single account as a result. Not one. We just lost money. <laughs> and let me tell you, there, there were a few moments when I was not fully exhibiting emotional maturity or intelligence. I had some moments of like, <laughs> well, that's okay. That's called venting. There some, and there were some curse words in some of our meetings. Uh, well, you know, every now and then you got to vent and you can take a little emotional maturity break and say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to put my emotional yeah. maturity aside because I need to vent a little bit and I need to blow off some steam, but I'll be right back yeah. to my own, my emotional self. And Hey, in business, it's not the problem. It's how the problem's resolved. That's right. That's you know? right. And, uh, but and, the first step of resolving a problem is acknowledging it fully, mm -hmm. just taking that total deep dive into the harsh reality of what, what didn't work. And it's yep. not, and the other thing is when you're talking about what went wrong, I really try to avoid finger pointing or blame or shame or any of that mm -hmm. and framing the discussion at the onset with this happened and it's okay. We're going to deal with it as a team and we're going to learn from it. Mm -hmm. And everyone at the table is valued. You're all valued. This happens. It happens to all of us. So don't, don't feel embarrassed, ashamed. Just learn from it. Just accept and learn from it. That's what we want to get out of this analysis, out of this deep dive. And so if you frame the discussion when you sit down and fully communicate that you are not going to be finger wagging and nobody's getting fired or demoted, and I'm not saying that never applies, but so mm -hmm. far, knock on wood, we have not had that situation. We've invested in the team. We've invested in our personnel. 
And when you invest in people, it's for the long term. That's the way my grandfather ran the company. Mm-hmm. And so that means that you work through the hard times. You grow together as a team. It's yeah. It sounds like it's, it's more than just a, a workplace. It's, it's a family network. You know, you're, you're, you're continuing yeah. on your, your grandfather's legacy. And, uh, from what, you know, in doing my research for our you know interview here today, I mean, I, I read a lot about how he ran his business and everybody was welcomed and, and everybody was appreciated and, yes. and you're carrying that legacy forward. And that's, that's huge. Yeah. That's important. It's not just how we treat our customers, it's how we treat our employees. So if we want to be this hospitable brand where all are welcome, that has to filter into how you run the company and how you treat your employees. Because your employees are usually the front lines Mm -hmm. of your business, of your brand. So if you don't treat your employees right, they're not going to treat your customer right. And that reflects on everything. Yep. Richard Branson... Uh, his quote was, if you take care of your employees, they will take care of the business. It's that simple. That's a great quote. I love him. I, we were talking about books. I read Finding My Virginity uh-huh. by Richard Branson. And that's, I highly recommend that. That's a wonderful book. And his personal life is just as solid as how he runs businesses. And he is just such a grounded person. I really respect him. I say grounded for someone who in part runs an airline organization. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would love to meet the guy. Uh, hopefully one of these days right. I'll, our paths will cross and I'm, I will uh, maybe have a chance to meet him. But yeah, he seems, he seems as authentic as the image that he projects, you know, and that's huge. I mean, you got a lot of leaders out there projecting the certain, you know, air in front of the media or in front of social media. And then you meet him and you're like, well, this is completely different than the image that you're trying to portray. Uh, and it's a reflection on, on surely on the, on the leadership of that particular individual. But for people like you, Richard Branson, that are as authentic as they project themselves yeah. to be, that's huge. And that's, that's well, why. Here's, here, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh. The great thing about Richard Branson is his leadership style is transferable. So if you're a good leader, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're selling records or you're selling wireless phones or you're selling an airline or you're selling a hotel chain or any of the other myriad of businesses that that man just seems to sprout up like mushrooms. It's Mm -hmm. crazy how many business ventures he's done that are different and he's been successful Mm -hmm. and it's because of his leadership style. So if you're good at that, you can be good at managing other businesses that aren't even in the same field. I'll give you another example. And I love Warren Buffett. He owns so many different businesses, right? And one of the businesses was a energy company. I think it was based in Texas. I don't even remember the business, but that's not relevant to the story. What's relevant is he identified Warren Buffett saw talent in the CEO of one of the energy companies. And then he turned around and hired him to head up C's candy, which he owns. And it's incredibly successful. So the point being, if you're a good CEO, it doesn't matter if you're selling energy or you're selling candy, you're going to be good at it. Leadership's leadership. Yes. That is so true. Yeah. Um, Egan is his last name. I don't know why I just had a momentary lapse because I'm, you know, doing this live thing, but the CEO of C's candy is Pat Egan Hmm. and he is fully embraced being the candy man. He also likes kiss. 
So oh, he likes the, Kiss. The rock band. Oh yeah, yeah. The Gen hey, X. That's yeah. right, Gen X. Yeah. Detroit that's how I met City. him. I was at this. I was at this event, and we were chatting, and I pulled out my iPhone case that has like Kiss on the back, and nice. he commented about how great Kiss is and how we both love vinyl. And we were talking for quite a while before I even realized I was talking to the CEO of C's Candy, one of my all-time favorite brands. They have the most amazing packaging and branding and history. And mm-hmm. I don't care if they may be somewhat competitive with us. I am such a fangirl of that company. And the fact that Warren Buffett owns it mm-hmm. just gives it even more gravitas in my book. So anyway, the point being, if you are a good leader, those skills are transferable. Absolutely. Because it's not really about, it's not really about knowing the industry as much as it's knowing your people and getting your people to, to, to want to work under you and do the things that you need them to do. You know, when you have an employee that wants to succeed at a high level for you, because you make that person feel valued, it's, it's, it's almost as if you're, you're on autopilot then at that point, when you have that type of feel valued. Yep. That's so, so crucial, uh, in good leadership. Um, and speaking of Warren Buffett, didn't he buy your dad's company? Yes. He, he it, passed on Stuckey's though. He passed on, he said, no, he thanks. No, thanks. Stephanie can have, Stephanie can have that. I actually don't think Stuckey's was even on the table, but you know, it probably could have been, <laughs> but yes, my father owned and operated. Well, no, he didn't operate. I'm sorry. He had the franchise right mm-hmm. to Dairy Queen stores on the interstate highway system. It's a company he founded in 1977 after 10 years in Congress. And he segued a political career into being in the franchise business. Much and like yourself. He went to, yeah, he went to a lecture where the head of Dairy Queen was talking and my dad went up afterwards and said, you know, Dairy Queen is such a great brand and they're known to be this presence in small towns across the country, but you know where you aren't, you aren't on the interstate. And I grew up with my family's business on the interstate. At that point it had been sold and I can, I can help put Dairy Queen on the interstate. So he negotiated to have the exclusive franchise rights and built interstate Dairy Queen corporation along with his business partners from nothing into what it became. And then Warren Buffett bought it. Can I, can I just give you a marketing idea that just came to me? What if you ha- we I pulled up in the drive-thru at Dairy Queen and I saw a Stucky's pecan roll blizzard. Blizzard. Yeah, I've thought about that. I mm. messaged the CEO of Dairy Queen and said, hey, what about pecan log roll blizzard and nothing? Crickets. Well, so, I'm sure he's a listener to this podcast. Great. I'm sure he's going to hear it on yes. this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That would so, be a great idea. You get your brand out there and then that's something, you know, they got some kind of pralines and, and caramel thing, which I'm sure is, I don't even know. But yeah. if I saw Stucky's pecan roll or pecan, is yeah. it pecan or pecan or pecan or pecan? I'll tell you what my grandfather said. I say both. I kind of interchangeable between the yeah. two because people say both. So I want everyone to <laughs> Feel say awesome. what works for them. But my grandfather said they're pecans when you pick them, pecans when you sell them. Oh. And he said that because most people say pecans. And okay. so it underscores the point that we had earlier with Jesse Cole. It's all about fan first, customer first. If the customer says pecan, I'm going to make them feel comfortable and say pecan. I'm going to mirror what they say mm-hmm. because it's all about pleasing them. If 
people don't want to buy our product, we're not going anywhere. So, so this would be a Dairy Queen. This, yeah, this, would be exactly. awesome sauce. That I think that was, yes. I don't, I can't, I, all right, just, you know what? I'm going to email them. Work on that. I'll tell you a strategy that worked once. Maybe it'll work again. I love Wawa. Yep. I love being a fangirl of other brands and I don't care if people say we're competitors. We don't have to be competitors. We can be collaborators mm -hmm. because Wawa can carry our product. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, we only have 13 stores and we don't own or operate any of them. They're licensed. So we make our money from selling our delicious pecan road snacks to travelers. And many of them are on the interstate highway system. We also sell to Food Lion and grocery stores. So we're in a bunch of different channels. So Wawa can be a partner and can sell our product. Mm -hmm. So I went to a Wawa actually in the Jacksonville area. Okay. Wawa is in Florida. Mm -hmm. a big presence in Florida. And I pulled over to Wawa and I took a photo of me with a Wawa cup of coffee. And I did this whole post on LinkedIn about how much I love Wawa. And I heard from people at Wawa as a result of that post and a series of meetings and conversations. And as a result of that post, mm. we are about to be piloting our maple flavored pecans at Wawa. And that should be hitting in September. So we're going through the getting the SKU set up in the distributor and filling the orders and getting the packaging. Congratulations. Wawa, hopefully by September, but definitely in the coming months, you will see Stucky's pecan flavored, I mean, maple flavored pecans and Wawa as a direct result of a LinkedIn post. There you go. So I need to do a post for Dairy Queen. Take a picture of their drive through sign and say, hey, where's the Stucky's pecan roll blizzard? I mean, I want a pecan roll blizzard. WTF. Yeah. Come on, let's go. Where You know, it needs to be there. WTF. <laughs> where's the pecan roll blizzard? People listening, start going through the drive through and saying, I want a Stucky's yeah. Pecan Lager Blizzard, a Pecan Lager Blizzard, whatever brings you joy. And just keep asking for it. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen. Start a movement. Your strength Those lies in your... are amazing, aren't they? What's that? The blizzards? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, they are. Oh. What's your favorite? Oh, you put me on the spot. Uh, Oreo cookie is pretty darn good. It is. I usually yeah. go with the Strawberry Cheesecake Blizzard. Yeah. I mean, they have so many fun flavors. They need to, I mean, that's what they did. They they get in new flavors and they need the pecan lock girl. Be perfect. That would be a staple. It would displace. And especially knowing the history, right? So well, you would think with my father, maybe he could hook me up, dad. Dad, are you listening? Hook me up. <laughs> so he's retired and the people he worked with, sadly, some of them are not even with us on this earth anymore. Mm. <laughs> He's, yeah. He sold his Stucky's and his, sorry, his Dairy Queen business over a decade ago. It's been a minute. He's, uh, yeah, he's on a beach somewhere. He is on a beach. They retired on the beach. In Florida? Georgia coast. Okay. Yeah. They live on Sea Island. Yeah. So Georgia Golden Isles. Yeah. Beautiful place. He and my mom living the life. You'll be there one day. You know, I don't think so. My dream for retirement yeah. is to get just a big ass RV and fully equip it and just travel across America. You got to keep that the road tripping is in you. It's in your blood. Yeah, I want to be like Colonel Sanders, not like I've heard some aspects about him that weren't so great, but the part about him being a brand ambassador until he died, 
I like that. Mm. He was promoting the Kentucky Fried Chicken brand until he was 90. And I think he died at 90. But until he died, he was a spokesperson that's for Kentucky a, Chicken. See, that's another so one. That that one of, Just prop me up, like drive me across the country <laughs> and I will. Weekend of Bernie's type thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep me going, even if I'm not longer with you. <laughs> uh, see that? See that's just it. When when KFC was with Colonel <laughs> Sanders, that was another one of those iconic Americana type brands. Yeah. You know now it's yeah, it's kind of it. it's kind of changed and it's not the same. It's I don't changed. Yeah, it, it it's definitely gone through a transition. It's not the same, and I don't want to trash the company that owns no. it now because I think they do good work. It's it mm-hmm. just depends on what you like, right? I know what my vision is for Stucky's brand. And it just was not the vision that was shared by the outside corporate owners. Yeah. Sometimes you sell it to corporate America and it totally works. You're able to scale. But I think often when you get that big, the uniqueness, the specialness of a brand Mm -hmm. is diluted, if not lost. And it's replaced by getting high volume at lower prices. It's a trade-off. So you may want that. You may want the cheap, fast option. Yep. Sometimes that's 100% what you want. But if you're looking for a special, unique, curated experience, then by and large, you're not going to get that from a large chain. Mm-mm. And that's okay. But that's not what I want for our brand. So my vision for Stuckies is maybe someday we'll own like five Stucky stores, but they will be mind-blowingly awesome, amazing mm. Stucky stores that you will go travel for miles and miles to visit. Five destination locations. Yeah. And we're going to make our money from selling the most delicious pecan road trip snacks that you will ever find. Mm -hmm. And we'll make them available wherever you want to go. But when you go to that special destination location, Mm -hmm. we might be sampling some new product lines. You might be able to find blueberry flavored pecans, which by the way, we've experimented with and they taste delicious. You might find key lime pie pecans that you can't get anywhere else, right? So you'll get something super extra special if you go to one of those five destination locations. That'll be cool. So that's my vision. And then just to be able to road trip and continue exploring how awesome America is. We have great places to visit from the national parks. Yep. That's your thing, which I love. My background is being an environmental attorney. So I want to be able to say I visited every national park by the time I die. Hope that's a long way off because there's a lot of national parks. And you won't fly to any of them. You'll be in your RV. I'll be in my RV. That's right. Yeah. Except for Hawaii. I might need to fly. Yeah. Might need to do that one, but continental U.S. That'll be fun. But then I also want to pull over at the world's largest rocking chair and the world's largest ball of twine and the world's largest belt buckle and the chair museum, which I've actually been to, the lunchbox museum that I've been to, just all of that stuff. I love that. It's fun. The lunchbox museum, that would be cool. It'll bring you back to all those little metal lunchboxes that were damn near weapons back then. Yeah. (laughs) It's in Columbus, Georgia. It's the world's largest collection of lunchboxes. And I was totally reliving my childhood. They had the Welcome Back Cotter lunchbox and the uh, Bionic Woman lunchbox, both of which I had. And the Snoopy, the Peanuts the one. The Kiss lunchbox. Yeah. The Snoopy, I had the Snoopy one. It had a rounded top mm-hmm. instead of the square, the one that I had. 
they had a bunch of Snoopy ones, right? Or peanuts. Yeah, and and so. it has the thermos. I love when they have the thermos in there. Yep. Yep. Those are the days. Now, let me ask you this. And I usually do this uh, as we wind down the podcast. We've been going forever. It's been like that. Uh, it's been, been fun. Great. I know. I've loved it. Is <clears throat> We're talking about the road trips. I'm going to ask you your top five road trip cities. Your top five. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. But um, top five, can you do a top five in this? Or is there just too many? But you got to have five. Now, I know you went, I know, I know I read somewhere that you went to like the beer can house. And I think that was like, yes, that was in Houston, wasn't it? Houston. So let me put Houston on the list because they also had that orange house that was pretty cool. And the Reality Bites house where they film Reality Bites. So it's Mm -hmm. good to throw in a big city. It doesn't have to be a small town, I think. Big cities have a lot of fun road trips. So Houston was a fun one. Unfortunately, I have not, just because of time constraints, been able to really explore the Midwest or the Far West or the Pacific Northwest as much as I would like to. So I think I need to visit some more cities in those areas to really be able to give the ultimate top five. So this is just the top five for now until I explore more. I have to pick one on Route 66, Tucumcari, New Mexico. Mm, okay what's special about Amazing. that what do they have they have one of the most they have some of the most original motels dating back to like the 1940s when they had motor court motels oh, wow. in the country that are lovingly restored the blue swallow the safari motel the roadrunner lodge where we stayed and they have the magic fingers beds Oh, for wow. a quarter, stole a quarter. They still have those? Yes. So make it to Kankari tonight. There's a great scene in a Clint Eastwood movie where they pull over into Kankari. And if you haven't seen it, you should see it. Uh, so to Kankari, New Mexico. Okay. I will probably probably say Holbrook, Arizona. So I've got two on Route 66 because they've got the original Wigwam Motel. Okay. And speaking of great motels, this may this is actually a hotel, but San Luis Obispo has the Madonna Inn. Oh. Do you know about this place? San Luis Obispo is a great town. So I got to pick one in California, right? Every single room has a theme. Yeah. And I've actually not stayed there because I didn't have the money to stay there, but I have visited there and the maid let me in to see some of the rooms and oh, I got wow. to vicariously enjoy the room. So when I really make it big with Stuckies, I am going to stay at the Madonna Inn and have an awesome weekend. And I've, I'll have a hard time picking a room. Oh, you, so get, got, you get to pick your own room? Whatever theme you want, you just, if it's available? They give you like, okay, if here's... it's available, right? Oh, wow. Uh, so I'll finish with one that I'm going to today. Okay. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. All right. Yeah. Why Oklahoma City? Because I'm going there today and it's well, on my mind. Because so you- my list may constantly change, right? Yeah. I will say that memorial for the Oklahoma city bombing Mm. was so well done and talk about turning an absolute tragedy into something that is really respectful and pays a tribute to a horrific incident in our nation's history. So I just really enjoyed visiting that, but Oklahoma city just has a lot of fun places. There's some public art. Uh, It's just a well-run city. And I am going to be staying at this super cool motel. I'm going to look up the name of the motel. I discovered it online. Mm -hmm. No, wait, I'm sorry. I discovered it when I drove by there. And I said, next time I go to Oklahoma City, I'm going to stay there. So 
hopefully it's really as amazing as it looks, but it's called the Clausen Inn, C-L-A-S-S-E-N. And it's a motel from like the 1960s that's been completely renovated and it's a total hipster place. Oh, cool. I love motels like that that have been renovated. Another one like that is the Dive-In in Nashville, Tennessee. And the Dive-In? Every single room is different. It's got a great vibe and it's got a really cool dive bar. Dive bars are the best. Dive bar. Oh gosh, Your I can LinkedIn just post. go off on dive bars. I did a post on LinkedIn about dive bars, and I remember before I hit the post button, I shouldn't do this because LinkedIn is very. You try to be businessy, somewhat businessy, and I wasn't sure if this was kind of pushing the envelope too much. That post got the most engagement. I know of any of my post in a while. I, com- I commented. I love dive bars. I yeah. know. I've for, I think I've forgotten half of the great dive bars that I've been to, though, in true dive far, bar fashion. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm becoming quite the connoisseur of dive bars because there is a distinction between a dive bar and a dump, right? Mm. So it's the dive bars I like that have just this very local feel to them. Mm-hmm. It's where the locals go, right? And there's something really special about the dive bar. Like, Kansas City Barbecue in San Diego, California is one that I love. That's it's actually more of a bar than a barbecue place, but Mm -hmm. it's where they film Top Gun. So all those bar scenes. Been there. Yeah. And so they have, you know, there's certain things you see, like the bras hanging from the ceiling or the dollar bills bills. on the walls. They usually have some cool story, like maybe a movie was made there or someone famous was discovered there, but there's something really interesting that makes it the local place but it's not a dump it's got it's got a but but it's not going to be super high-end right it's got to be where anyone can walk in and you can wear blue jeans and you're totally accepted and you know what else about dive bars is that you find friends all of a sudden you go in there you you might be like uh you might be like within walking distance of your hotel if you're staying there on bit and then you go in there next thing you know you leave and you're best friends with six people Yes. Those are those type. Those are the nights That's that are, are, are a lot of fun. And it just happens organically too. Yeah. So wherever I go, I am now looking for dive bars. And I've started when I talk to people from different places, I'll say, can you tell me what the best dive bar is in your community? And people just light up. They love talking about that. And if they don't light up, that's not my people. They probably- <laughs> like, Very nice talking to you. <laughs> I'm going to go... Ask somebody else. See what's happening in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm going to talk to someone else. <laughs> yeah. Can you direct me to somebody that maybe has a personality where I can, you know? Yeah. Because that's a good test of a, of someone with a pulse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they know dive bars, they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. 100%. <laughs> well, Stephanie, I wish we could go to have a couple beers at a dive bar now. Now that we, I feel like we're best friends as well after, you know, talking here for, yeah. and we'll do this again if you don't mind. You know, yeah, some, I'll come visit you in Jacksonville and let's hang out at a dive bar and let's do a show at a dive bar. There you go. We'll do a live broadcast uh, of the Well-Rounded Leaders podcast and we'll do it right there at a dive bar. And we'll we'll bring, I will bring Stucky snacks for everyone at the dive bar. Yep. And then by then they'll be in Dairy Queen. So we'll go get dessert at Dairy Queen and get a, a, a blizzard, uh pecan uh, uh, roll blizzard there. So it's a date. We got a plan. We'll That'll do work. it. Sounds it great. All right. Well, hey, I uh, appreciate you being on. This has been a joy, been a pleasure. And like I said, I feel like I've uh, just had a podcast interview with a celebrity. Well, thank you. Pleasure's all mine. It's been awesome. 
All right. Well, hey, best of luck to everything and continue that momentum now that that ball, that, that big boulder has been moving. And uh, I'm looking for big things. I'm looking for those five destination uh, stuckies here within the next uh, five to 10 years. Five to 10 years. That's my time frame for to at least have one of them. Yeah. Very good. It's a journey. It it's is. not. A, it's a road trip. <laughs> yeah. It's a journey. It's going to take us a while. So, well, thank you. I appreciate your time. As always, thank you for listening and for telling your friends to check out the show and for rating the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. Your continued support makes it possible for me to do what I love, which is helping people be the best and become well-rounded leaders in their world. And for that, I am grateful. And until next time, be a well-rounded leader and make an impact.